Can y'all believe it? It's another good day. Oh, and guess what? On screen. Oh, that's how that's you know it's going to be a really good day. <laughs> it's another day to get real with your guy, Ronald E. Smith. And my guest today, this man has many talents. He's been around, but man, oh man, does he get the job done every single time. Entertainment reporter, podcast host, film reviewer. You know what? Let me stop talking because you know what? I think he needs to speak for himself. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest today, Griffin Schiller. How you doing, brother? Dude, how's it going, man? Great to be on here. Appreciate the intro. It's always, you know, just listening to a couple of these episodes and I'm just like, man, he does such a good job of hyping every guest up. I like, <laughs> I felt it, man. Like it was, it's wild. No, very happy to be here, man. Thank you for asking me to come on. Yeah, no problem, man. Look, like I always say, hey, all my guests, this is for this is a place for you to go for us to learn more about you. So your family, your friends, and your fans to sit down and be like, oh wow, I didn't know that about you. So this is the place <laughs> to be. So why not? Let's go do the thing, you know? Yeah, for sure. Let's let's get into it, man. Now it's everything. Every journey starts somewhere. And Griffin, you definitely weren't just born and bred in LA. So no. let's just go back to the beginning to yourself. Uh, where it all began. So tell a story about who was Griffin back in the younger days. Yeah, back in the younger days, man. Uh, Well, my memory is the worst. So I wish I had like really fun stories to bring out and, and crack open and stuff like that. But um, but yeah, no, I, I'm actually from Maryland originally. So um, I grew up around there. I uh, was pretty close to like the DC area as well. So I'd go into DC a lot. Um, and, and, and such and um but yeah but i mean like you know since i was like a, a kid i've always had like a passion for for film and entertainment and just pop culture in general um and even though i didn't really know like which avenue i kind of wanted to go into with it i always knew that i wanted to pursue that in some capacity i mean originally i was like oh i'm gonna be a director like you know every can i swear on here Okay, go nuts. Oh, okay. I was just say like every fucking you know like uh, uh, just kid who loves movies are like, well, I'm gonna make movies one day, and I'm like, well, I and so I started out like that, but and then obviously my career sort of like transitioned into something else. But growing up, um, I don't know. I was um, I'm like that weird sort of blend of like intro introvert outrovert. So I was like, uh, I would around like certain groups of people. Like I'm very outgoing. I'm very like you know, talkative and, and, and whatever. And like, I can make friends easily and stuff like that. But then also like you get me in like certain group settings and I'm like kind of quiet. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I was, I just, I guess just like growing up, I was just that like everyone was like, Oh yeah, Griffin. Like, yeah, he's that nice guy, like really fun to be around, I guess, or something like that. I don't know. Maybe I have a warped perception of what people thought of me. Maybe, maybe everyone just fucking hated me. Maybe that's what it was, <laughs> but, um, yeah. And you know, loved, uh, movies, pop culture was really into music too. Um, I did, uh, yeah. From like the fifth grade into high school and stuff like that. I was involved in like band programs and stuff like that. Like I, play the saxophone, I play the drums, I uh, apparently can sing, but... Um, oh, man, got pipes, y'all. Oh, uh, yeah, I guess so. I don't know. You're, you're not going to find out on here, though. That's, <laughs> that's not going to happen. Uh, but, um, but yeah, so I don't know. I had, like, the... I, w I was definitely more, like, 
um i i guess the arts was just always something that was like in me um so yeah i don't know okay you said that you know you love film and you had that idea you know at the time of your life you said you want to be a director but before that because you know every every idea comes from somewhere but sometimes too our ideas change just like yours did so yeah yeah what really then for yourself because as you're growing up you, you know you're changing your phases what made you stop and say that i want to be a part of the entertainment space like when did that idea really hit home for you um <laughs> probably when i was in high school my parents were like okay so uh you got like two more years so you got to go to college what the hell do you want to do and i was like oh yeah what do i want to do right yeah right uh because i don't because like in like when i was in like middle school and stuff like that i was like oh i want to be a chef you know i was like i don't know i probably saw ratatouille and i was like you know oh, I can you see that that's the problem yeah right this is it all it all comes back to the movies they're always just like telling me that i can be things that i'm not no um uh but <laughs> yeah i i don't know I, there was like a period of time where I'm like you know i kind of i like food i like cooking maybe i can be a chef and then that like kind of went away um and then yeah I, I think when i was like you know had to start thinking seriously about like what i wanted to do for a career i was like i kind of want to be a filmmaker like i like movies like why like people can do that people come from obscurity and like make these uh cool and interesting projects and so it was probably that i just like thought about it and i was like well yeah that seems like the right pathway for me and then i also like did um they weren't like summer camps but they were just i mean they did happen during summer and they were like getaway camps where i would like go and, and, you know, get hands-on experience with, like, filmmaking and stuff like that. So I think once I figured out that that was sort of the pathway I wanted to go to, I went and did, like, you know, I, I guess we could say, like, film camps and stuff like that where I made a bunch of short films with with, with people and these, like, programs and stuff like that. So the one of them I kind of am uh, just for the time. I mean, it's not, like, good. It's not anything to, like, write home about, but it was, like, for... I don't know. I was really, it was, it's funny because it was like the, the short film was very, you could tell that I was obsessed with Heroes at the time, the NBC show Heroes. Oh, okay, uh, because okay. I, I, I took a lot of the ideas from that show and like, I was like, I, this could be a, this, these are, this is so cool. Like, I love this. I want to get like put my own spin on it. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. I did something along those lines, which is actually really funny because now thinking about it, that short film, I feel like was the precursor to another short film that I did in college, which dealt with like this guy who had like uh, supernatural abil abilities and was like a comic book artist and stuff like that. Yeah, I don't know. Anyways, that <laughs> a little bit of a rant there, but um, yeah, I don't, I, it was, I, I don't know. It was something I was proud of at the time. So, so do you think doing those short films got you like, more appreciation and respect for a lot of people who do this for a living like on every single day i mean i always had like a lot of appreciation for the like creative side of it um i mean performance from a performance standpoint i definitely like was like wow that was like it was a great performance like oh my gosh you like completely transformed into those characters you know the typical like go-to phrases you see when you see a great performance but like I don't know. I, I would always like watch the behind the scenes documentaries of like Star Wars films or like uh, Indiana Jones movies, um, other stuff like that. And so I, I feel like because I grew up sort of like watching that sort of thing, I just innately had an or not innately, but I kind of like 
grew to appreciate like the the cr- like the the technical side of filmmaking more than I guess most people would. Um, and yeah, certainly, yeah, you know, you making your own films, you realize like how uh, uh, challenging it is. Um, so I, I definitely was like, you know, you go into it and you're like, oh, I think I can kind of figure out how to do this. And then you start working on it and you're like trying to coordinate with a team of people and it just becomes like, oh, well, all right. There's like so much more that I didn't even realize that I, I had to know how to do other than, oh, I have this cool idea and uh, know how to use a camera. Now, I mean, there's like so many different like moving parts to it. That's true. And then after that for yourself, that I knew that that day probably came when you had to decide, you know, where you want to go to school, graduate, it's about to kick you out, out the door until you go have fun in real life. So <laughs> yeah, right. what school, what school did you decide yourself to go to? So I uh, attended Purdue university in Indiana and it was re- it, it was a good, it was a good decision. And it was also a, well, no, it was a good decision. Uh, listen, so I, I applied to a bunch of schools because I wanted to get into some sort of filmmaking track. And my parents were like, okay, well, yeah, you can you can get like a Bachelor of Arts, but maybe try and get like a BS in some sort of technical field with film. Uh, and and Graham, my, my parents are like super perfor- supportive, but they're they're always like, you know, fuel your... Be careful, your cre- like, look, I have a backup plan. Yeah, exactly. They're like, fuel your creative ambitions with like something where you can make money. Um, so, they exactly. were, so, they were, so they were like, um, yeah, so you should probably... F- go into something like that and so I think Purdue one I wanted to go to like a big school I wanted to have like a traditional college experience I didn't want to go to like a city school or something like that where it wasn't really going to be you know college like I wanted to actually like go somewhere um to go to school take the whole college experience yeah no no, 100 percent in that in in looking back on it that was the best part of going to purdue and like the people i met there and like the the projects we worked on and stuff like that um because i because truth be told i i basically bullshitted my way through college like i made up my degree the um the program that i um uh went in as a major under was called computer graphics technology. Um, and so it was basically like, I mean, it's computer graphics that dealt with like, um, you know, vector graphics, raster graphics, uh, VFX animation and, uh, all that stuff, the post-production side and in the graphic design side of like entertainment and whatnot. Um, and I'm not much of an artist, but like I can, I'm pretty decent at graphic, at, at like, you know, Photoshop and like some graphic design and stuff like that. But it definitely wasn't something that I wanted to do as a, as a career path. Um, and, you know, little me going in as a freshman and like, oh yeah, I can do VFX, not realizing or understanding how much like math and, um, you know, I, just my brain didn't function the way that a lot of the, like these, these courses and stuff did. And so I was like, yeah, I mean, I guess I'll just sort of stay on this track. And then um, and then I met a, a, a professor um, when I took a, a, a broadcasting, like a mass communications class. It was like uh, it was like studio news or something like this where you would like go live and you tape something and you're like 
Oh, no. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure you took, like, being, you know, going to school for broadcast journalism, I'm sure you've taken similar classes. Love and it. so, Love it so much. yeah, it's great. No, it was great. And so, like, I, I took, like, some mass communications classes and I, I got in good with this one professor who also happened to have a background in filmmaking and stuff like that. And me and one of my good friends, who I'm actually still living with right now, we, uh, we came to him and we were sort of just, like, tossing around ideas about, like, this sort of, like, entrepreneurial filmmaking track where it's like um basically we'll we we will go through the entire process of creating our own short films um as if we were going to you know submit them to uh, for for release and stuff like that and then at the end of it we'll apply to film festivals with the the movie and stuff like that and so through him I basically was on like a filmmaking track that wasn't through the film department but was like way better than anything that they had to offer because the film department was absolute garbage um what did he teach you though what did he teach you that they couldn't teach you well he just gave it he just gave us the hands-on experience you know Uh, so he was like i mean first of all like he was very real he was a pleasure to work with i mean he was like super insightful um and knowledgeable as knowledgeable as he could be um you know because once you start teaching you get removed from the industry a little bit but like he, he tried to make it a point of staying up to date um and so it was just like saying like, yeah, I mean, you got to make sure you're doing all these things. It's like, I think he was just like so open to us being creative and just making our own track. Cause he understood the struggle we were in where it's like our department was basically in shambles cause they didn't know how to run it. The film department sucked. I really enjoyed taking communications classes and like we did a lot of stuff for the, the communications department. He was like, well, let's just sort of like do these like, you know, entrepreneur, these like filmmaking classes. And so, I, you know, me and like a bunch of my, my close friends who were in a similar position in the CG, the, the computer graphics track just sort of like went over there and, um, you know, made a bunch of short films and like learned a lot because we had true hands-on experience. And then also like, uh, it was through doing stuff through the communications department where I like had access to like a podcasting room and stuff like that. Um, which is more, which is definitely more in line with like what I do now. But but I wouldn't say that me doing what I do now, like I, I wouldn't say I attribute that to uh, my time in doing like mass comm stuff. I think I just sort of like stumbled into this on my own, you know. So do you? So so do you? But can you also look at it as kind of like that little stepping stone for yourself? Like it, it played a part into giving you the steps to get close to where you. You wanted to fully go down the future, even if you didn't know it was going to be that way. Um, honest, honestly, no, because the 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 when we um when we were working on when we came to him and we were like, hey, we want to do this short film idea. We have a team of people together. I think we'd be great at it. Whatever, and he sort of accepted it and was going on. When we were doing the whole pre-production, like planning f- play phase of this like film track that we were creating, um. Over the summer, I was, I think I was just watching a bunch of like, film. I mean, I had watched a lot of like film reviewers on YouTube prior to this. So like I would regularly watch Jeremy Johns, Chris Duckman, John Campia, AMC Movie Talk, all that stuff. Schmoes no. Um, And I think it was when John Campia posted his like, how to do whatever, like how to do film punditry on YouTube. The first one he did as part of like an AMC mailbag or something like that. And I watched that and I was like, okay, I think I have an understanding of how to do this and it sounds like it'd be fun. Um, 
maybe I kind of want to do this. Uh, just like, just, you know, for shits and giggles, see, see what happens. And so like I asked one of my, one of my best friends, uh, growing up uh, and stuff like that from back home, a couple of my friends from college. And I was like, Hey, what do you think of maybe doing something like this? And everyone was like really on board with it. Cause it was just like fun. It was just a bunch of like friends talking about movies casually and creating like internet content, right. um, which was like very appealing to all of us. And so that's sort of how I started doing this. I mean, that's, that's where like my channel name used to be men versus movies. Right. Um, and it was very much called men versus movies. Cause there was like four of us, uh, four or five of us who would do stuff. And so, um, that's that's how that whole thing happened and then it was like after i sort of discovered that and i was like really taking a liking to it then i sort of focused more on taking like mass comm stuff and i was like can i use this podcasting room oh can i take your live news production class i think like that that could be really useful for me um doing some of the stuff with the youtube channel yeah cause speak, speaking of your, of your youtube channel because i'm glad you brought up members members movies i did look up your past videos for that mm. and comparing Comparing to what you were back then, how your channel was, how it was functioning, how it looked back then to now, it's like completely night and day of, of ideals. Yeah, and, yeah. And just movements of how, and a lot of it is growth. You know, uh, everything, yeah. how, how you spoke about films, how you guys were able to like really, you know, critique them and to how it looked more like you became more comfortable. Like you, you, yeah. you definitely got real comfortable in your space. No, for sure. And I mean, uh, you, you do this regularly week after week and you sort of, get a feel for what's going on. And then you take some time and you reevaluate like how you're approaching stuff. Like I, I go through phases where it's like um, my approach to recording videos, I, I change that up and whatnot. So like when I was first doing it, I always liked to do it with someone else. And there is still some truth to that. I still do like to do reviews with another person because I can just have a line of dialogue with them and turn it into a more, turn it into more of a conversational piece. Um, Whereas like sometimes when I'm recording by myself, I like will be saying a bunch of stuff and I'm like, I don't know, is this, is this making sense? Am I rambling? What, <laughs> I, I, what, like what's going on? So I, so I, some of the stuff that I used to do, I still enjoy a lot, like that conversational as aspect. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, you know, just practice and like um, doing it for like what, five years now. Um, I feel like I just sort of like learn, I, I just, I mean, you know, you do it long enough, you discover your voice, you discover what it is you're bringing to the table. Like looking back at it now, I was trying to be like a AMC movie talk, um, schmozno sort of like thing like that. For right now, general, just sort of like, yeah, that was really good. The performances were solid. Like I, it was a fun ride that like, that doesn't do anything for me. Like I enjoy like getting into the thick of it, like analyzing a film and its importance in either culture or just like from a technical perspective or, um, you know, basically bringing the thoughtfulness of written film criticism to a video format has always has sort of become my MO, especially when I rebranded with film speak, I was like, okay, yeah, that's sort of like, that's more me because I enjoy the craft of filmmaking. Um, and I always want to make sure that if pe if someone is watching like a video of mine, that they're getting something out of it. It's not just another film YouTuber being like, Oh yeah, that like, it was a really fun film, like super awesome. Like that. I don't know. To me, that's never really done anything, uh, for, for me. So I guess I just tried to eliminate that out of, uh, my approach to, was know, it, uh, criticism. Was it, hard, was it hard for you to move from men versus movies 
to creating film speak like the transition period till then like did you did you feel like should i do this i worked so hard for all the stuff i created to creating something brand new uh no because i think it's something that i had wanted if anything i had prolonged doing that uh, for entirely too long. So I just didn't feel like the Men vs. Movies brand fit me anymore. If you look at some of those like later Men vs. Movies videos where it's like I'm like, you know, giving like a deep film analysis on Suspiria and then you look at the brand of Men vs. Movies, you're like, that doesn't really make sense. But okay, sure, go for it. Um, Already you were and- telling yourself like, you know, like, well, yeah, and and I mean, essentially, I had to wait on a couple of friends who were like helping me do a do a graphics rebrand and stuff like that, and come up with a channel name. Uh, I had to wait on their avail- availability before I like completely shifted gears um, and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, for like, listen, I I think when some of my friends who I originally started the channel out with, when they started to drop off and they weren't as interested in creating content anymore, or they didn't have the time. Uh, or the passion for it anymore. And I was really the lone person like going forward with it because I was like, yeah, I fucking love this. This is awesome. Like this is, I don't know. I feel really comfortable this in this. This is what you love to do. Yeah, right. And where I was like, okay, maybe I could turn this into a career. I don't know. Maybe I'm still sort of figuring that out. But like, you know, maybe Um, I think that's where I was like, okay, yeah, I just need to sort of just do a clean break and then just completely rebrand it and center it around me. Um, So, so then, when a lot of the stuff also, you know, men versus men versus movies was also still like kind of when you were still in college. So when, but by the time came when you're about to leave college, mm-hmm. where was your head? Where was your head at? Where were you going to go for yourself after, you know, you're going to get a degree. Where's Griffin going now? Um, I think I just did what like, I'm sure literally everyone who graduates college does. And I was just like applying for jobs and stuff yeah. like oh, in yeah. my field. Shoot, shooting your shot. Yes, for sure. I mean, like I applied to, um, I don't even, God, I don't even know. I I probably applied to like BuzzFeed a couple dozen times or like Vox and stuff. Like not even, not even understanding like (laughs) that I was nowhere near qualified for the positions I was applying for, but I was like, oh, fuck it. Why not? (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Right. Even, yeah. But so I was doing that I applied to like a couple of like post-production places. Um, I didn't, I, I, I always like I, I don't know I'm really weird where I like I didn't really want to work for like small production houses in like the middle of Maryland I was like well that's that's stupid I'm gonna be doing like corporate advertising videos and I hate that mm-hmm. um, and so I was always like really hesitant about applying to places like that and I did a couple of gigs uh, you know freelance gigs for for some of those places did a couple of freelance video editing uh things and like some motion graphics work uh, a couple of times um and then yeah i mean i was just sort of like still figuring out what the hell i was going to do but i was like really like laser focused on men versus movies um I think I reached out to a few like outlets, like the playlist, like during that time period, I reached out to the playlist once um, and they were like, yeah, okay. We really like your video content. Would you be interested in doing some of that for us? And I was like, oh yeah, sure. And so I did a couple of like uh, pseudo mini social videos and like video essays for them. Uh, Like a couple of like end of the year, best of the year edits and stuff like that. And then, um, and then I didn't really like do a whole lot of work for them for a little while, probably because they didn't need a lot of video content. And then, uh, yeah, and then I was sort of in this weird state of limbo. And then my parents were getting ready to move out of state to to New England. Um, 
and I was sort of like, okay, well, I definitely don't want to go there. Um, the Patriots? Uh-huh. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, because who wants to be in Patriots Town, right? That's awful. <laughs> so I was like, I was like, yeah. So I don't really want to go there. Um, I like went to New York City for a little bit to check it out because I had a cousin who lived there and I had a contact who worked at like uh, CBS and stuff like that. And I thought like I was gonna go there because I thought like I had a solid chance of getting a job at CBS. Turned out that was not the case. They did not have an opening. Um, and so then I, then one of my friends moved out here, uh, the friend I'm living with right now, um, who I did a lot of the creative work with in college and stuff like that. He moved out here and he was like, hey, well, yeah, we're looking for another roommate. And I was like, well, my parents are leaving and I need to do something. So why don't I just move to LA? So then I just decided, yeah, I think this is probably the best opportunity for me. Um, it's going to afford me so many different things i feel like all the people who do this sort of thing that i follow um are based out in la uh the on-camera stuff the on-camera people are based out of la and so i was like well yeah sure let's let's do that so i decided to move to la and um yeah and then when i started like being in that area the because i was so close to like industry events that were going on and access per se then i started doing a little bit more for the playlist and started being able to go to press screenings regularly and and then started to do press junkets and interviews and stuff like that so it all basically was because i moved to a a hub for this sort of thing my name is ronald e smith i'm speaking with griffin griffin schindler but let's just if you don't mind we're gonna take two steps back to the oh sure yeah yeah there's a transition of you moving from maryland to LA because no matter what that's a huge transition period for you because sure, yeah. at the, I can imagine at the time like you said you were you're trying to you thought you might get a job in CBS New York that didn't happen mm-hmm. you got a nice spot with the playlist but also right now also too you're like you're not getting a lot of work so you're just trying to figure out what you want so at that period of time there's nothing really there so I would want to know at that period of when you were thinking about moving were you at any point nervous or scared of wondering if this thing that you wanted to do would work uh no um i was it's really interesting because uh i you always hear about people being really hesitant about going moving places going to college out of state uh moving to brand new locations for work and stuff like that it's never really been a thing that has frightened me or made me unsure or whatnot. It was just sort of like, well, I'm in my twenties. I want to pursue this career pathway. This seems like the best option. So yeah, sure. I'll, I'll do it. Um, And I, I didn't even think twice about, well, I, I mean, I had conversations with people about whether or not they thought that was smart. Um, but I think I had already sort of made up my mind. Like like Sean Chandler, I'm great friends with Sean Tran- Chandler. I've known him since uh, he started his channel and stuff like that. Um, I talked to him a little bit about it. And like he was like, yeah, I mean, like if I was your age and this is what I wanted to do, I would not even think twice and move there. And I was like, okay, cool. So I'm not insane for thinking that, right? Like I'm not insane for being like, oh gosh, should I maybe not want to do this? Um, and I feel crazy, like that's... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I feel like that's sort of just, like, determination and drive to just, like, not, uh, you know, be concerned about whether or not I'm going to, like, fail or whether or not, like, what I'm going to be homesick or whatever. That sort of, the fact that that's never really affected me, um, I think, is part of why 
I'm sort of at where I'm at right now, which is not to say much because I'm still sort of figuring my way out. But like, I've I've just been more open to trying different things, and um, you know, I, I don't. If I was more timid, I don't know if I would have agreed to do some interviews and stuff like that. You know, so I feel like that that whole like the confidence and the the determination factor was like key. It's it's always scary the first step, you know. Like, but mm-hmm. with you. You just said it. You said that you, you know, yeah. you were so confident in yourself and you were so tapped on like, this is what I want and I'm going to get it any way I can. And that's right. what a lot of people need to have if they want to get the career or the goal that they always wanted to get. No, 100%. I mean, because if you don't, I mean, if you're always second guessing yourself or you're always like, oh gosh, can I, am I, am I qualified for this? Or it's like, is this going to ruin my life? I mean, like, so many different things could happen, but it's like, if you don't do it, you'll never know. Right. Um, so at least if you fail, you'll have tried um, and failed, then, you know, not have tried at all and just like wound up you wouldn't, doing you, something. You won't live with regrets. At least you know for yourself. Yeah, you exactly. I'm speaking with Griffin Schiller. If you're interested to learn more about him or you want to see more of his work, go follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Griffin Schiller. And if you want to see some of his interviews and some of his articles, check out his website at filmspeak.com. That's filmspeak.com. But, yeah, 100%. But, I mean, like I said, when you don't know until you try, and ladies and gentlemen, Griffin tried. <laughs> boy, oh boy, is he doing the work. Now, let's just I, go yeah. with that. Let's just go to that, brother, because, man, sure. you're, you're the list of people that you've talked with, you got a chance to interview, has been fun, to yeah. say the least. Yeah, it's, um, I'm very, very lucky and very, very fortunate. And uh, I do owe a lot of that to uh, my editor over at The Playlist for like having faith in me to be able to carry out these interviews. I mean, granted, I'm sure for him, it's just like, yeah, sure, why not go ahead and do it? <laughs> uh, like, what's the worst that could happen? But I... I I mean, I have to imagine that, like, he knows that I was comfortable on camera, uncomfortable on, like, a microphone or something like that, and, like, knows podcasting inside and out, um, and that he was like, yeah, go for it. Uh, I don't know. It was just sort of that that um, faith that he entrusted in me uh, to be able to do some of this stuff that has led to some incredible opportunities. And, and I'm the person where it's like, I loved it the first couple times. I mean, I still love it, but the first couple of times I was like, oh my gosh, I got to keep doing some of this stuff. So I would like actively try and seek out other interviews. I don't know how many other um, writers or contributors do that on a regular basis, but like that's, and then I eventually like came to him and pitched him the idea for this, like this interview podcast and he was like down for it. Um, so yeah, I mean, that was, I, yeah, you're right. I've gotten to interview like incredible people. I've gotten to interview my favorite composer of all time, Hans Zimmer. I got to talk to, um, Damien Chazelle for the first man thing. Keanu Reeves. I got to talk to Peter Jackson. Peter Peter Jackson may have been the first. No, I'm sorry. Hugo Weaving was my first interview for Mortal Engines, and then after him, I did Peter Jackson. It was really funny because I went into the room um to interview Hugo Weaving for this movie and I had all my questions prepared and everything and I thought it was going to be like that traditional junket where they have cameras set up or anything I didn't realize that there were other ways to do interviews that there were like written junkets so I came in there and I was just like okay I assume they'll have everything to record this and they didn't have anything in there it was just in like this back room with Hugo Weaving and I was like 
oh shit, I need to be recording this. And so like I asked the first question, he gave a really interesting answer. Uh, luckily it was kind of like a throwaway intro question just about the film. And then I was like, oh shit, I should be recording this. And I broke my phone out and I was like, I'm so sorry. I, I, can, I can I start this? Yeah. And he was like, he was totally cool with it. Didn't even seem phased by it. And so I hit record on my phone and then I like started asking him like, better questions and it, it was actually like pretty good so um and then i i from there i bought myself like a little handhold tape recorder and i was like ah yes i need this <laughs> this is handy and it was like that little handhold tape recorder eventually transitioned into like a full mobile podcast setup eventually so uh but i'll never forget that because i was just like if i hadn't been quick on my feet and realized that no one was recording this um it would have just wasted Hugo Weaving's time. Exactly. I would have looked like a complete idiot. Um, and uh, it was just, it was, it was you, kind of funny. You were thrown to the fire. And, yeah, it's now, right? and, and, and now it's either you're going to burn down or you're going to climb your way out of it. And you did. Yeah. And that's the whole point of this whole thing. You know, like when you're in these spaces in your career, look, either, either you swim or you're going to sink. Yeah. And look, and look yeah. what you did. And th th that's a lot of credit to for you. To show yourself that you know, well I, well, I can imagine you were completely like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, don't 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 mess this up. Mm -hmm. But you did it. You knocked that yeah. out of the park for yourself. Yeah, it was like one of those things where it was just like I was really nervous going in because I had no idea what to expect. Um, I had my list of questions here, but um, I went in, and I feel like after I just started talking, it sort of just like went away. The nerves sort of like went away. Um. And then, yeah, I mean, but I, I, I had my question. I was a little more reliant on my questions that I had there instead of actually just like engaging in the conversation, which is what I've sort of started to do a little bit more of, not of sort of, I mean, I have sort of tried to be less reliant on the questions and more present in the conversation so that we could just talk about whatever, but I still want those the information there so that I don't mess up or, right. or get something wrong. Um, or if there's like a lull in the conversation, I have that to sort of fall back on. But um, yeah, but that was, that was like the first like experience and a process of just like learning how to do this whole thing. As you've gotten into all this so far and the amazing places you've been able to get into so far in your career, as, a, as have you ever stopped yourself to look back from what you wanted to be? into where you are right now. I mean, like you said before, you know, you, there's still spaces you still want to get into and places you, you continue want to be. But that's just a reflection of how far you've gone so far. Are, can you say that Griffin is proud of himself? Oh, I mean, absolutely. Like, of course I'm proud. I'm, I'm proud that I have had these amazing opportunities and I've met these incredible people that have helped me. Um, and I, yeah, I'm, I'm doing this whole thing that I didn't really set out to do, but sort of fell into and was just like, I really enjoy doing this. And so what most people probably consider as a hobby, I'm sort of, I'm, I'm working hard to try and make it a sustainable career. And so the fact that I can do some of this stuff, um, is, is just incredible. Like if you told me, um, you know, f seven years ago that, uh, I, I would be interviewing, you know, all these people like Jason Isaacs, Dan Stevens, uh, Hans Zimmer, Bill Hader, uh, Sterling K Brown, people like that. I probably look at you and I'd be like, interesting. Okay. <laughs> like I don't buy that, but sure. <laughs> let's, we'll see what happens. Um, and yeah, it's, it's still very, very surreal to me. And as we we just moved to your YouTube career now as well. 
with everything sure. you've done over here and also balancing your YouTube career with your YouTube channel, you got you got chances, you know, review films, you know, like any other film critic as they get get they grow and they learn more, they get mm-hmm. screenings, they get, you know, they see, see films earlier than other people would. Yeah. But also too with your with success comes also, I would say, you know, the good and the bad of YouTube. So mm-hmm. It's easy to talk about the all the fun that comes with it, but sure. what can you talk about the hardship and just the annoying things that come with trying to deal with handling a film YouTube channel? Yeah, um, I mean, I, for me, uh, I try to just not even let the negative stuff get to me. For the most part, part I don't. I mean, I, I think there were like a couple of times where in throughout the entirety of my YouTube career where I've just been like really annoyed um and like some of the stupid boneheaded comments you get um and especially when it's like you know when you're focused on a channel you know what you're doing good at and you know what your insecurities are at and when people sort of like poke holes in those insecurities like you get more it, it elicits more of a response and a reaction so i think when that happens um i the, it kind of like can strike a nerve a little bit but for the most part i mean i just kind of like laugh it off and just say you know fuck you you're no one and you're you're like you're just trolling in a basement or something like that like i don't really care about what you have to say so um but then the but like more than just like the commenters it's just sort of like figuring out how to get to the next level. So like right now I'm at like 7.5 thousand subscribers. Um, and it's just like figuring out, okay, how do I get, how do I continue the, the escalation process, the growth, uh, continue putting out quality content, continue getting views. Uh, what content do I need to sort of double down on? And, um, how can I make this a sustainable career? Cause I feel like as opposed to some of like, uh, if you're really lucky and fortunate to find like the thing that you're good at, that people go to you, you can take off. Like uh, my friend Chris, 3C Film Reviews, like super incredibly successful YouTuber because he took the time to figure out, oh, people like these little short, um, you know, bite-sized news videos on like the biggest things in pop culture. He also like put out a bunch of videos solely on Child's Play. And so he became like the Chucky guy and the people recognized that and then they wanted his takes on other horror stuff and then the horror stuff kind of like spiraled into like other fandom stuff. Um, and so like he figured out that that was, that was his thing. Uh, Sean Chandler has had a lot of success because he figured out that people like wanted to see, they wanted ranking content um, outside of like box office or not box, uh, outside of Watch Mojo, no one was really doing ranking content. And then Sean came in and he's like, well, I like ranking content, I'll just start doing this. And then uh, people came and watched it. And, um, you know, then he started doing a lot of like MCU rankings. And then people, you know, that's reaching a whole wider audience. And so they came in, they're like, okay, Sean is the ranking guy. And you could see because people will try and copy that on their channels, they'll try and tap into that success as best they can. And it'll never work because it's like, why would I go watch you ranking this um, thing, doing the same sort of video that Sean would do when I could just go watch Sean? So I think finding that thing that people go to you for is important. It is so uh, critical in, you know, growing your channel. And I think that's sometimes the struggles of running a film channel because there are so many um, 
there are so many uh, movie review entertainment talk channels out there, and they're all like the same thing. It's just like, oh, just a regular guy reviewing movies, talking movies. I'm one of you. And I'm like, okay, well, there's like 5 million other channels that right. say the exact same thing. Right. Why should I watch you over one of those other channels? Um, that's the struggle. But I also, I want to let them know, like, do you think it's also hard? Because, you know, sometimes we can be stubborn. Mm-hmm. You know, like some some creators like to be stubborn. They don't want to get off this train. They want to stay here. Yeah. So like, yeah. How will you get yourself to be more committed to be like, I have to experiment to find my niche in this seat? Um. Yeah. I mean, that's that's I mean, that's the question that we all sort of have to ask ourselves. Like, are you, if you are completely complacent and fine with where your channel is at, and you're just doing this as a hobby like whatever if you want to like that good for you keep doing that sort of thing if you want to take it to a professional level you really do have to like think outside the box and 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 figure out that like specific thing and i think experimenting is key for sure like i recently like this past year i tried a couple of show ideas that i thought were kind of cool and they didn't get the reception i wanted so i was like okay i'm gonna scrap those because that's a waste of time um and then like I started doing more live stream experimented with more live streaming because I had the available time, uh, which is something that this, you know, whole pandemic, you know, for as, as awful as it is and it whatnot, it is affording me more time to stream and uh, double down on the channel and stuff like that. And so I think that was a whole Avenue that I hadn't really done prior to this year, but I'd always sort of like thought about it. Um, and so I think I've seen a lot of growth through that, um, which is which is good. But I mean, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, if you're a younger channel or you're a smaller channel and you're still trying to find your way, experimenting is how you do that. Um, finding, you know, see, I think, you know, something that people often do is like finding something that another channel does well and then sort of like figuring out how you can take some of those ideas and turn them into your own thing. Um, sometimes I think people do it a little too literally. Like some people, like, I don't know, some person might have like a game show that they do where it's like movie trivia. And then this other person will like do another movie trivia show. And it's like, oh, I'm, um, you know, I just like swapping out names and stuff like that. And like, no, that's not experimentation. Right. That's just, you're just taking the same thing and relabeling it. Um, I'm talking about like just different creative ideas. You just got to throw stuff at a wall and see what sticks sometimes. That's true. Um, but always be true to like what it is that you're trying to sell people on because like it is your brand, it is your channel, it is your messaging. And if people don't understand who you are and why they're coming to your channel, then I, I don't, I don't know. It does it doesn't really connect and work there. Um, so experiment, I would say experiment within like the confines of like who you are as a creator. Can you say for yourself then for what you got so far with your channel and the evolution of it and where it's gone from what it started in the past to what it is now, can you, can you say so far for yourself that, you know, it's come a long way and you're proud of the evolution of it? hundred percent. Yeah, for, for sure. I mean, like, I think when I first started out, I made the mistake of trying to do too much and trying to do similar things as other like bigger channels that are like actually like professional people in the industry. Like, like I said, I was really inspired by like, 
you know, the movie talk crew and the schmoes and stuff like that. And so I think some of the content that I would like, I, I was like, okay, we got to have a movie news show on this day. And I was like planning out a full-time work schedule right. for a YouTube channel when I'm still in college. And I was just like, okay, this isn't feasible. <laughs> so that's, and that's another mistake I think some people make is they try and do too much uh, when they're first starting out and then they like get behind the can deliver and then they get burnt out. Um, yeah. I've never really felt like burnt out from it, but like I definitely realized, okay, this is just way too time consuming and like it's just not feasible for like a channel that is just starting out. Like it's insane. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like I, I mean just the growth I've made for sure. I, I feel like, I know when I've hit my limit in terms of just like the amount of stuff that I want to produce. I know like what I can cut out when I don't want to do stuff uh, as much. Um, so, yeah. I mean, this year I've seen you collab with a lot of good people. Like I've seen you like yeah expand off that and seeing the spaces from other people. It's been it's been really cool to see all that. Yeah, I would say this year has definitely, and again, the the downtime and the constant live streaming has allowed me to collaborate with other people. So like uh, Elliot from Movie Files, someone that I have watched for a little bit and have really like uh, appreciated and respected his opinion on film and, and stuff. Uh, I've gotten to know him really really well through doing live streams on like you know comic book stuff and then also we we do a lovecraft country recap show um where it's like him and then like a rotating guest that kind of come in and it's like okay i i love the dynamic we have i really enjoy collaborating with him i want to keep doing more stuff um and that's someone like you know a a year from now i didn't even know i didn't know him and now i'm like oh my gosh like i love doing like videos with him um uh, you know, Sean, well, Sean and I started the podcast this year, but like that was something that was in the works for like a little while. Um, when he actually came out to LA to visit in, in here and stuff like that, we were sort of like spitballing ideas and he was like, Oh, I always wanted to do a podcast. And I'm like, well, I mean, I can help you with that. And also like, I have contacts if you ever wanted to like interview, you know, guests on your show and stuff like that, which I think we've done a few times. So, um, yeah. So yeah, I, I mean, like there. Yeah, I, I have. I've collaborated a lot more this year, and I really think I've taken this year to be more um, inclusive and branch out in terms of like people that I want to have on my channel. Because I don't, I don't want my channel to just be like three white guys chatting about Spider Man for the millionth time. You know, like that's not fun and it's not insightful and you don't it's the same conversation everyone is sort of having and so i feel like this year i really wanted to challenge myself in like branching out getting some more um uh women on panels getting more people of color um getting different perspectives and sort of just adding to the overall conversation because like um i feel like there is more to like my opinion you know, people might follow me for my opinion, but I think like having someone like uh, Sharonda from Payerweight on, she adds a different perspective that I think is valuable. Um, and I love what she has to say on her channel and her content is incredible. Um, and so if she's able to lend her voice for like an hour on one of my my shows, I think that's like more value that people are getting out of one of my shows. Um, same with my friend Gretchen, who I met at uh, Comic-Con. Um, I think she is incredibly insightful when it comes to television, just in a lot of things, but especially because she covers television regularly. It's like, well, why wouldn't I have her on one of our recap shows because of that? Um, 
and also she's she's uh she does a lot of culture critique as well and so i think she adds that other layer so yeah I, I, stuff like that just figuring out how to you know expand the channel in ways like that my name is ronald e smith i'm speaking with griffin chiller and just to backtrack on that because i really want to just dive in deeper if you allow me to mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. especially what you said about being more inclusive because mm-hmm. especially this year alone a lot of things have been going about the black lives matter and how a lot of people of color feel that their voices aren't being heard. Mm. And especially during that period of time, especially I believe in June, a lot of content creators were bringing more spaces for people of color to lend their voice to. And mm. I noticed that from you too, because that's what you, I saw you do that a lot. And that's what <laughs> made me really, really just respect for you what you do. Because for sure. people can do it. You know what I mean? Like people can just bring someone in just for that month or that week. And then they said they did their part. Yeah. Others will do the work because they said, no, this is just a phase. This is something I'm just doing to get views up. This is because I really want to. And I want not only, I want to help them. I want to give them their space and their time and enhance their voice. I just want to meet them. I just want to just indulge in conversations with them. Sure. And that uh, shows a lot about who you are as a person because it's not fake. It's just the true blue of who you are as a person. Yeah. Well, thank you for saying that. I really, I mean, that, that means a lot and I really appreciate that. Um, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, I, I think even before all the, you know, the, the protests and the, the George Floyd stuff happened like at, at the beginning of the summer, um, I think in some of those other live streams, I had, I had tried to incorporate, you know, different diverse voices um, in in different capacities. I, I wasn't doing as many live streams. So I, I, a channel that was solely focused on me, I didn't necessarily have like opportunities to do stuff like that. Um, but when it came to television recaps, uh, you know, recapping Westworld, I was like, okay, I want to get different perspectives on this show here. And so like, I would always ask Sharonda. I'd always ask my friend Gretchen. I would always ask, um, and then, you know, Zach would come on from time to time. So... I feel like my sort of initiative for that whole thing uh, started a little bit before then. Um, and, and I think some of that also has to do with the fact with just like the people that I met when I moved out here. Like I understood, I mean, I'd always, um, you know, I, I, I had always had like a, a diverse friend group growing up and, and stuff like that. I mean, that was, that was just always something that was just like around me, the, the environment that I grew up in. Um, but when I moved out here, I understood uh, the importance of getting, you know, black voices on, uh, getting their takes on things, getting uh, Latinx voices on, on 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 certain you know pieces of media because I feel like, you know, it's just you know there, there are a dozen white guys talking about the same thing, but they don't necessarily understand uh, Moonlight per se, something like that, or Roma or something like that. Like they get, getting pe- people on who understand those experiences only adds to the overall conversation. And it helps me better understand the importance of those pieces of media. So it's like, why would I not want to do something like that? And again, uh, with with the, the way this whole year kind of played out, it allowed me to finally like start bringing on those different voices that I had always wanted to do. Um, and so I was finally able to, yeah, I was finally able to do that. And then of course, yeah, when the, 
the horrible the the, the stuff happened uh, with George Floyd and 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 the the Black Lives Matter protests. I felt like um, yeah, I felt like there were a lot of channels that sort of tried to capitalize on that in a really gross way. Um, I I think that just to me that whole incident it just it 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 let me know that okay this yeah this is an important issue we need more people on here who can speak about certain stuff that's going on and so it it just sort of like you know pushed what was already sort of on the forefront of my mind already like even further to the forefront of my mind about the importance of this um and i always make it i always make an effort to try and have like um if i'm doing a live show can i have a person of color on can i have a woman on or some something like that it doesn't always happen sometimes just because of scheduling but i always do try and go and reach out to like a diverse group of people so that the panel on that that people are watching is um you know it's filled with different opinions um and yeah i feel like some people have sort of they, they treated it as like a phase like it's like, oh yes we'll have we'll have like you you know our, our black guests on this for exactly, this month yeah. and then they've just like a, it just left their brain it's just like okay well it's not an issue anymore okay we'll just we'll just stay comfort in our comfort zone um you want to talk about the comfort zone thing from earlier of of experimenting and, and branching out i feel like that is that's something like the lack of 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 diverse you know panels and stuff like i look i understand if you're a solo reviewer and you don't do collaborations and the channel is literally just you that's fine that's i mean that's your prerogative but if you're doing like podcasts and you're doing live streams and it's just like you know uh, like the same sort of rotating uh, guests or the same opinions sort of rotating around branch out man like it only enriches your content more and it only adds more value to uh the people watching it I don't know. And, That's just sort and, of my take on it. And that, the but. saying, it's always the same. You know, when, when they say that, oh, I can't find a, a girl, I can't find a black <laughs> yeah, person. Know, it's, it's like, there are hundreds. You're lazy. They're, exactly. They're, they're yeah. there. They're willing yeah. and hungry to show what they can do. It's up to you just to put it out there. And they'll say yes. Well, and, and, and most people are receptive to it. They will, they, they'll, if you ask them, like, I, I can't tell you how many people I've reached out to that is, that that has said like yes or they've said okay well i can't do it this week but like maybe let's try it for another time down the road like people want to go on things and just collaborate and make cool stuff like it's like you just it's not like the end of the world if you have to branch out to someone like you've maybe interacted with on twitter like once exactly just just do it like there's no harm in it if they again what kind of what you and i were talking about beforehand if they say no they say no like it's move on to the the next person move on to the next person yeah absolutely make a list of creators you want to work with and just send them an email send them a dm on twitter if you follow each other or whatever i if if you're just asking them to be a part of something you're making and you want to amplify their voice like do that like that's cool you know it's i like that from you because again it's easy to find a black person to talk about movies from black history month it's easy to find <laughs> yeah, a, right. a black expert to talk about latin history month that it's, that's it's, the other thing that, that that annoys the shit out of me mm-hmm. is when they they only get like uh black creators or like latinx creators or or lgbtq plus creators on there to talk about stuff that is only like lgbtq plus yes. related or only like black related it's like no they have like People have other interests outside <laughs> of just like the, the 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 pieces of media that are uh, made depicting their culture. It's exactly. Like, yes, they are probably not even probably. They're definitely the experts on that for sure. And like, 
you should have a black person on if you're reviewing um to five bloods with with a group of people 100 percent. but don't just have them on for that have them like have them review uh you know black widow or or no time to die or something like that like, exactly <laughs> that's the truth I and know, I know it's so annoying. Some people don't want to do it, but it goes back again to what I think about you and about, again, saying, I'm saying, I said it before, I said it again, you're not doing it for clout. You're not doing it to put, to pat yourself no. on the back to make yourself like, Oh, see, look what I did. You honestly just want to do it because you want to do yeah. it. You, you see them, you see the work you say, Oh, this person's awesome. I want to bring them on. And that just tells you who Griffin is. And I respect that fully, fully to the team, man. Yeah, well, I I appreciate that. I mean, again, yeah, like I'm not trying, I'm not trying to get people like, oh, look at me, stuff like that. Like, no, I don't really care. I just want to collaborate with cool people who have like interesting and different and diverse opinions. Like, that's just really what it comes down to. Um, and like, it it will always be something that I kind of want to incorporate in collaborative projects going forward for sure. Like, if I'm doing a group review of something i want to try and get as many different opinions in there as possible or a live stream or like uh when we do our oscars show again like i, I want to get some like different voices in there i don't know it's just it's something i've always wanted to do um and i i, I feel like i just this has always this you know expansion of the channel and um you know doing more just panel driven content has allowed me to do that. And also, you know, starting, uh, starting the website for film speak. I mean, I started the website like a couple of years ago, but it was mainly just like a tool to use to get into festivals. But right. now with really expanding on it, like we've got a great group of people over there. We have like, you know, uh, uh, like three women over there. Um, we've got a couple of LGBTQ plus community. Um, it's just, I don't know. It's just like a really diverse group of, of people. And that was important to me when I was like, when I was working with my friend, uh, Mike to assemble the team and stuff like that. It, it you know, it was just like, I want to carry that over from the channel. So. I respect that, man. That's, that's really good. I'll speak with Griffin Schiller and let me just say it right now, guys, this has been a, a fantastic conversation we've been having just to learn about who he is the growth of himself and the journey he's taking for himself in his career but also too just about him as a person some things i bet y'all didn't even know about but the one thing that about griffin that i'm gonna ask you and i always ask my guests this sure before i bid them farewell is the shout out time and this time we want you to show love and appreciation to the people who picked you up when you couldn't go no more, who believed in you, who told you that you can do this no matter what obstacles can be thrown your way. So right now, I'm gonna give it to you. The floor is yours, show your love. Go oh ahead. man, <laughs> it's as rough as like, if I don't mention you, it's like an acceptance speech. If like, <laughs> I don't mention you, it's like, fuck. Um, no, I mean, my parents for sure, my mom and my dad are always incredibly supportive. They might not always understand what I'm doing, but they try to. Uh, and they try and just like back me all the way, like a hundred percent. Um, like I could, like I wouldn't be doing it right now if it wasn't for them being able to, um, help me get to this position. So I'm very, very fortunate to have parents like that. Um, my sister, of course, is obviously very supportive. Uh, she's always like one of my biggest cheerleaders. And so I just, you know, it's great to have family members that love and appreciate what, the, what you do. And so that's, that's great. Um, my girlfriend for sure. I mean, like she's one of like, 
you know, my parents are very supportive, so it's like hard to top that. But she comes very, very close. <laughs> a good I think just be, right, yeah. I think it's just because she under like she understands mm -hmm. what I'm trying to do because she's also a creative. She's an artist, and it's like like God love her. She is in a field that is probably even more difficult to break through than what I'm in right now. Um, and so we can sort of just I don't know. We we relate to each other on a lot of levels like that. Um, and so, which is probably one of the reasons that we're, one of the big reasons that we're dating is like, we understand each other on that level. That's so it's awesome. like her, yeah, it's like her being able to un, like support me and like be my cheerleader, but also give like insightful advice and, and stuff like that. That's invaluable. So I love that. Um, gosh, who else? My, uh. I mean, um, talk about just like peers and friends and stuff like that. Zach Pope is always like, I mean, he's one of my my best friends like in this, well, probably just in general, to be honest with you. Um, but definitely in this space. And he's always a very positive voice um, in presence who is constantly boosting people up when they're down uh, and constantly uh, willing to give out advice uh, and and lend a helping hand when he can, and so like he like like just just a really bright presence that guy is. Um, so I I always appreciate him. Um, Sharonda from Payerweight is always incredibly helpful. Um, you know, just in, in just in terms of advice, just being a great friend. Um, uh, yeah, and just in terms of like helping with connections and contact. I mean, she's very supportive and stuff like that. Um. Oh gosh, let's see how many other people. Uh, Ty, I mean, Tyler Tompkins is like my best friend that I've made on YouTube. Honestly, the guy is very supportive, very um, fun to talk to, uh, great to hang out with. I mean, he's just the best. Uh, if you were on YouTube when Tyler still had his channel, boy, you were lucky because you got to see some great content. And I wish he would do that again, but he's not going to. Um, but. Uh, yeah, no, man. Like he's just, uh, he's, he's amazing. I, I love that guy so, so much. Um, Sean Chandler for sure has been again, another great friend, but also just someone who's like super supportive, um, and is given invaluable advice, not only just like in terms of just like life advice, but like channel advice too. It's like, what should I be doing more of, um, et cetera. So like, he's been great with that. Um, Gosh, I don't even know. There's so many other people out there, but I guess I, I guess I'll kind of leave it. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I some of my personal, close personal friends uh, that no one knows <laughs> on here, but like they're just, you know, they're great people and they're always super uplifting. Uh, if they're listening to this, I'm sure they know who they are. Um, yeah, but anyways, just for the sake of time, I'll I'll cut it and I'll leave it there. <laughs> and let's end with this with you for what you want to be in the future and what Griffin sees himself, what would you tell yourself to continue to motivate you to get to the place you always wanted to be? Mm. Um, I guess just like continue to be very passionate and driven about what it is about this uh, because without that, then you're not going to get anywhere. But also just... Uh, I don't stay. I yeah, stay motivated. Um, continue to work hard, and 
you know, send, send those emails that you don't know that if you should be sending them or, or whatever, uh, take risks and, and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, I guess, I don't know, man, this is tough. Cause I don't know if I'm the best person to be giving advice to myself. I need other people to give advice to me. I only knows Griffin. That, that, that's the yeah, only person right. that matters though. Yeah. Right, right, right. And that is 100% the truth. My name is Raleigh Smith. This right here is Griffin Schiller. And y'all, I think we just got real. Thank you so much. Like, share, subscribe. And I'll see you.